It's Monday. It's October 14th. And the word of the day is a bibliophobia, which means the fear of running out of things to read. Used in a sentence, if any Congress people out there are having trouble with a bibliophobia, maybe check out the whistleblower transcript <laughs> or the Mueller report or the Constitution of the United States. So a lot of things out there. There will be a quiz from Liz Warren at the end of this. Yeah, l look, I, I don't want to spoil anything in this episode, but there will be a lot from Liz Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Not close to enough. <laughs> Two votes. I'm Andrew Torres. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, Heath pits me against Andrew in what many are calling the fairest debate ever. Yeah, <laughs> less so. Uh, but also, the far right proves that Liz Warren has the stamina we need for our next president. <laughs> and the White House consults with Dr. Evil and Serpentor about Homeland Security. <laughs> but first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight. Our fellow skeptic rats, Andrew Torres and Eli Bosnick. So, uh, gentlemen, whose erotic fiction did you enjoy more? The one Bernie wrote or the one Liz Warren starred in? Oh, Heath, allow me to compliment you for your cavalier attitude about losing patrons right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, and allow me to thank you for that mental image. Gives a whole new meaning to up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was complimentary to both. I don't know. People aren't. On board with that? Anyway, in our lead story tonight, Donald Trump's tenure as president is coming up on three years, and we've all watched as his plan to protect our border with Mexico evolved from a concrete kraken wall to a solid steel wall to a series of cautionary slats to a very intimidating bead curtain. <laughs> but it turns out there was a brand new idea this year that we hadn't heard about until last week. According to several White House aides, during a series of meetings back in March, Trump got fed up with the lack of progress on the wall, and he proposed a combination of shooting migrants with guns and also creating alligator and snake-infested moats. And his aides had to literally go get estimates for the human-eating reptile budget for the United States of America. That happened. <laughs> yeah, uh... Quick clarity here. Heath got so excited he forgot to mention a book just came out telling us all this. But yes, this is from the book Border Wars Inside Trump's Assault on Immigration. And that alligator thing is real. It yeah. is real. Is the book already out? Uh, no, it's the the excerpt is what you read in the New York Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. But it's, it's coming out soon. Right, yeah. right. So uh, that's going to be fun. Definitely going to check out that book. So here's the chain of events that eventually escalated to sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads and then got walked back to an alligator moat. That's clearly how it happened. Um, before Trump landed on the idea of protecting the United States like a medieval castle with a 2,000 mile front door, he was apparently extremely focused on the uh, artistic presentation of the border wall. At one point, he demanded that the entire border wall would be painted all in black. Yeah. And, intimidating, and, and, and Yeah, well, look, we know there's only one way that demand came about, and that's that Steve King was inside the Oval Office and asked Donald Trump, hey, how do we make the wall super scary? What's the scariest thing you can think of? And they both said, <laughs> black, black at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yup. <laughs> so uh, Trump demands the all-black wall, 
And that's when the director of Homeland Security at the time, Kirsten Nielsen, explained to him that painting the whole thing black would cost an extra million dollars per mile. And, and then Trump was like, fine, dark gray then. And then I'm assuming Nielsen just stared at him in silence for a while until Trump was like, you're resigned. I resign you. I have, you're resigned now. You know what? Never mind. I'll just tweet it. I'm the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out Mexico refused to chip in like $2 billion for paint and Trump had to move on. And at some point during the meetings, somebody mentioned that migrants were sometimes throwing rocks at border patrol officials. And Trump responded, oh, okay, if they throw rocks, let's just go ahead and shoot them in the face. I, I was going to do something like that, you know, by, by itself, but works even better with the rock throwing. Beautiful. And his aides were like, yeah, that, that's illegal because of the murdering. So Trump was like, okay, fine, scrap the faces thing. We'll shoot him in the legs to slow him down. And seriously, he said that. Like, I'm not exaggerating. This is what he said to these aides, according to this excerpt. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Good to know that our president's legal strategy was taken from Terminator 2, right? Like, don't kill anyone. He'll live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Noah's not here, but I feel like a tall Tyler sketch at this point would just be a transcript, right? Yeah, it's like yeah weird... pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, so he says, shoot him in the legs to slow him down. And the aides were like, yeah, uh, still not legal. Still definitely not legal. Yeah, still definitely not legal. <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't have to explain that. All right. How, how's he going to get it? All right, Mr. President. So you know how you can't stab people in the leg? It's like that, but with guns. Same idea. To which Trump responded, and this is an exact quote, you're making me look like an idiot. I mean, <laughs> which is amazing. They were, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> Which is accurate. So just to recap, the wall wasn't working and the gun murdering turned out to be illegal. So the president of the United States was like, okay, I want a canoe, a fox, a hen, and a bag of grain on the Mexico <laughs> side. I figured out the riddle. It, I'm pretty sure it end, all the Mexicans get eaten by alligators and snakes. That's the riddle, right? Pretty mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Yep. And then stared in silence. Go. Are you guys writing a book right now? It looks like you're all simultaneously <laughs> writing a book right now. Put that down. <sighs> I can see Simon no. and Schuster on your text messages. <laughs> <laughs> and in Dear Penthouse, I never expected this would happen to me. News. Uh, the original Blues Brothers are back. Jake Wall and Jack Elwood Berkman. Yeah, only uh, this time, instead of playing the Palace Hotel Ballroom and uh, fabulous Lake Wazapamani. They're playing the <laughs> steps outside of Jacob's mom's house. The visuals the stoop. were really weird. They're yep. playing the stoop. The stoop, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and instead of covering Sam and Dave, they're reading spoken word erotic fan fiction about Elizabeth Warren. Subscribe. Subscribe uh, and hit the bell. Yeah. And, and domscribe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so first, uh, cease and desist letter incoming for blatantly ripping off my idea for opening arguments after dark. <laughs> okay, again, exposition. I know you guys are excited. Everybody, Andrew is about to read from the alleged confession of one of Elizabeth Warren's former lovers. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, that's right, Eli. So turn down the lights, put on some candles, uh, turn on a little Barry White, and let's read this thing together, shall we? 
Senator Warren. Senator wanted... Warren. Oh, you meant that just like we're all part of it. Sorry, that's dumb directed. Come. Senator Warren wanted not just rough sex, but extensive BDSM play. Bring toys, she said. What kind of toys, I asked. Surprise me, she said. So I ordered a Hitachi massager and a small tube of water-based lubricant. Okay, really? Look, that's the best you can do. Liz Warren says, surprise me, and you think of the wand and six bucks a bottom shelf lube. Uh, remind me to cancel my subscription to Cowboys for Angels. Okay, not as long as we're sharing a subscription. I'm not going to cancel it. Oh. Just so you know. <laughs> okay, but yeah, just to be clear... I have heard of the Hitachi wand and lube. Me. He has heard of those things. That's the least surprising fuck stuff ever. Mm -hmm. Get creative, yeah. man. But they are what Jacob Wool could think of when he was writing this. <laughs> so here we are. <clears throat> this was the first of not several, but many BDSM sessions with That's Senator what we Warren. call them. Yeah. <laughs> also, I love the idea that he refers to her as Senator Warren the first 20 or 30 times. That, that, that does kind of fit. Anyway, uh, although I had a fair amount of experience, <clears throat> I was shocked by the intensity, duration, and sheer violence of what she wanted. I love this. Oh, man. She was into the real kink stuff, like kissing and putting... My penis in the no no big <laughs> big time. I am real. Let me tell you, I am real. I I do not for a minute cast doubt on the veracity of the story. All right, look like okay. so interesting. Uh, yeah. So all right, we we know beyond a shadow of a doubt now that that Liz Warren fucks right mm -hmm. right. But but I know what you're thinking, right? Does she like to cuddle afterwards? What's her pillow talk like? Well, don't worry. She's got a plan for that. <clears throat> Just before we parted ways, she whispered, Yes, I am married. What? I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my husband and I are in an open relationship. You wouldn't believe how many studs like you show up to the congressional retreats, what? even though that's a total non sequitur. And with that... <laughs> I got in an Uber back to the airport. <laughs> now, few few loose ends here in the story. Did uh, did Staff Sergeant Dirk Diggler come back for a repeat performance? Uh, you bet your ass he did. Again and again. But, you know, one SEAL Team 6 Special Ops Agent <laughs> Orange Quang Bang. Not enough for Liz Warren. She needed more. She insisted upon doing a threesome with me and a doing second a woman. Doing a threesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like she, a sixth grader yeah. wrote it. We, and and we also did a threesome and we did some alcohol together. <laughs> and, and, and look, like uh, those are those are good nitpicks here. But uh, is insist really the word you want to go with there? Like, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, absolutely forced. <laughs> Twisted my arm. I I wanted to maintain the sanctity of uh, rent boy for hire cowboy and uh, a married senator and presidential candidate in her 60s but you know she insisted so <clears throat> she asked me to procure a, a beautiful and busty woman in her early 20s senator warren engaged in lesbian sex using a lime green strap-on dildo the distinct rubbery smell was overwhelming so senator warren asked me to wash what? it off in the sink after taking it out of the box which i did um, what is happening? 
this is real. This is a real thing that happened in his life, and he's trying to make it real because someone he ended up buying a strap. I need to be in his therapy. I need. (laughs) I just want to take a a, a moment to to appreciate the special kind of talent it takes for Jacob Wall to write about a threesome between Liz Warren. 25-year-old Marine special ops guy and apparently Kate Upton, right? And have it be a billion percent less sexy than just Liz Warren talking about the glass Steagall Act. Yes! Okay, thank you. After this obviously campaign derailing bombshell dropped, and again, I swear to God, I am not making this up, the AP notes that the press conference, quote, was drowned out by Chumbawamba. End quote. <laughs> Maybe they really were pissing the night away. <laughs> possible. That chumble, the lyric chumble from tub thumping. Yeah, yeah deep, deep cut. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, people. <laughs> anyway, ten minutes later, you have to know things to get jokes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes later, hashtag Cougar 2020 was trending on Twitter. And Liz Warren basically confirmed that all of this is 100% true. She said, and again, I'm not making this up either. It's always a good day to be reminded that I got where I am because of a great education. And it was available for $50 a semester at the University of Houston. Go Cougars. Amazing. <laughs> we need to cancel student <laughs> debt and make college free for everyone who wants it. And then tweeted out the Cougars logo, which, uh, yeah. Um, so two things are certain. Number one, uh, we know Liz Warren supports the troops. And number two, we know that she has the stamina to be our next president. (laughs) And in fat plumes news, vaping is bad. Or is it? Probably. Maybe not. Well, this week the riddle got kind of more interesting. So... Here's a little backstory. Uh, Back in 1940s, when Andrew was just 15 years old and jerking off in a Harvard coffin, the tobacco industry realized they were killing just like a shit ton of people. But they also realized they wanted a new boat. So until 1987, they pretty much just convinced everybody that smoking didn't give you cancer. Yeah. Until 1987, it was a... A useful high-intensity interval training to go with your cardio workout. <laughs> yeah, cigarettes. Yeah. You know, to, were useful. To 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 be fair, back then they they did have designated smoking and non-smoking areas, which were uh, segregated by being in a slightly different place, like the row in front of you on the airplane. That's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was. Or great. the machines next to you at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> other side of the restaurant yeah it was all kinds of crazy yeah so unluckily for those tobacco companies a ragtag bunch of all the scientists ever proved (laughs) that smoking did in fact kill you all the way dead and everybody stopped smoking forever or they would have if the heavenly temptations of mint melon clowns of vaporous lusciousness hadn't come along yes vaping the chain wallet of smoking. It took our nation by storm, drastically cut smoking rates, and forced weird assholes who pretend they're allergic to cigarette smoke to pretend they're allergic to double-bubble jalapeno vapor instead. Those were GMO jalapenos, Eli. You're being a dick. There was good reason to not like that. However, those fearful people got a boost this year. Because this year, just how safe vaping is has been called into question by the release of a recent CDC study that showed vaping has caused over a thousand injuries and 18 deaths. Sort of. Kinda. 
Yeah, faster than you could say tonight at 11, news outlets all over the country posted story after hot take about how vaping might be just as bad as breathing in literal smoke after all. But, of course, the truth is a lot more complicated. Not that much more complicated. Like, pretty sure the truth is just don't breathe stuff besides air very often, right? (laughs) And honestly, also maybe don't breathe the air if possible in a lot of places <laughs> yeah. but it's all a big spectrum of bad for you vaping and smoking yeah yeah so according to the cdc most of these illnesses and injuries came from toxic chemical fumes contained in unregulated thc containing vape compounds which accounted for four out of five injuries or deaths seems like the problem isn't vaping so much as it is I don't know, deciding a plant is illegal based on not wanting brown people to have money in the early 1900s, then legalizing it at a state level, which simply cuts out all those safety nets we use for food and water and other shit. So Hmm. on top of that, keeping in mind that the CDC is counting hurting yourself in any way as vaping injuries. So if, for instance, Andrew's favorite McDonald's lady pours vape liquid on her cooch and sets it on fire, that (laughs) is part of the CDC's numbers. And, according to Andrew Torres, at least, 100% the vape company's fault. Yeah, that's not remotely what that show said. I even did a special episode just for you. I literally titled Eli's Lava Emporium. (laughs) If you don't want me to lie about your positions, Andrew, you're really not going to like the second half of the show. I got to tell you. Oh, yeah, I know that. (laughs) I've read ahead in the show notes. (laughs) So is vaping bad for you? Probably. Because it's got nicotine and shit in it. And we're all pretty sure that's bad for you. But should your aunt try to set up a no jewels in these schools lunchtime infotainment program? Probably not. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, despite that amazing title, that's a pretty sweet title. (laughs) (laughs) Your aunt or uncle or whoever, they're probably dumb. And they shouldn't be providing info, nor should they provide any attainment. But schools should definitely teach that nicotine is bad. So... (laughs) And with complete confidence that everything I just said was 100% correct and always will be, let's turn over to our substitute smart person for the week, Andrew Torres, for a word from this week's sponsor, The Great Courses. Yeah, I've seen the show notes for the next segment. Don't think you can flatter me now. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Andrew Torres, attorney at law. You know, when you're Eli's lawyer, you hear a lot of crazy theories. Hey, Andrew, did you know that Jay-Z is a member of the Illuminati? Uh, No, no, he's not. He is, though. He made a triangle hand. Uh, The the Knights Templar, the Illuminati, uh, Japan's Black Dragons. Uh, As you might know them, the Bush family, post-DC spin rap, and Toyota. Uh, Secret societies like these have been shrouded in mystery and intrigue for thousands of years, which is why we're so excited about The Great Courses Plus, new course, The Real History of Secret Societies. Um, Sorting reality from myths and conspiracies. Look, this is a deep dive into the brotherhoods, orders, and cults that have played covert but often major roles in our nation's history and the world like murdering history. JFK. They no, murdered no, JFK. no, not like murdering JFK. Look, okay, back into the left. Secret societies. It is like murdering JFK. No, no, it isn't. Don't you start. <laughs> Secret societies <laughs> is one of hundreds of in-depth lecture series that you can watch or listen to from the Great Courses Plus. Look with. 
With the great courses, you can explore any topic that fascinates you, all while learning from the world's best professors and experts in their fields. Allegedly. No, real experts. And and look, for a limited time only, our listeners get a full month of unlimited access for free. So start your free month now, right? Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. The Great Courses, because... Nobody should have to sound like Eli but him. <laughs> I mean, me and the clone the government made of me when I was born in case I become president. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. So normally, we'd have a few more delightful pieces of news from 2019 here. But we're going to change it up a bit today and have a little informal debate about something more big picture specifically the Electoral College. And with Andrew Optimist Prime Torres here, that gives us a very intelligent voice to represent a nuanced pro-Electoral College stance. And he'll be opposed by Elias Q. Bosnick. BFA. Representing, yep, sure, whatever letters you want. <laughs> he'll be representing the uh, anti-Trump, anti-George W. side of the argument. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So far, he's Eli's off a, winning. He's off to a great start. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Eli's several points ahead. My bias is pretty obvious. But in all seriousness, I think, well, you know, we might get some interesting angles to consider on both sides. Let's start with the pro side. Uh, Andrew, why do you hate democracy? Yeah, I, so, you know, just walk us through your pitch for I, keeping the Electoral College. All right. Let, let's see if I can put this in terms that, that, that you can understand, Heath. <laughs> You cannot. Well, <laughs> probably not. If you're looking at our political system and thinking, you know, the problem right now is that we just don't have enough incentives in place to cater to the extreme wings of both parties, then you will love getting rid of the Electoral College. Look, <laughs> look, we've seen how Trump won, right? By energizing racists and morons. And now liberals want a race to see who can do that the best uh hint it isn't elizabeth warren okay that's that's true but the gop is already doing the extreme wing of the party strategy with the electoral college yeah no look that, absolutely and and i get that that's what they've done but like we shouldn't make their job easier right like right now that there is a question with the electoral college as between whether you ought to try and motivate your base or whether you ought to try and and motivate the center if you go to a straight popular vote the only optimal strategy is to motivate your base and destroy the center right like that's what republicans are already doing and they do it way better than democrats so i guess what i'm saying is the electoral college it Totally sucks until you start thinking about how much replacing it would suck even worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, and Eli, why should we get rid of the Electoral College? Thank you, Heathleton. Ah, the Electoral College. As Andrew Torres just said, how could there be a flaw in a system literally designed to keep things fair between states based on slave ownership? <laughs> And as we all know, Andrew is a staunch originalist. His position is very consistent oh, across uh, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, this is this is off to a great start. So, so why don't I just <laughs> why don't I just set a timer to see how long it takes you to call me a racist? You don't have a timer <laughs> short enough, sir. Wait for it. See, the problem with the Electoral College is both in principle and in practicality. In principle, it allows for someone who got the least votes to become president, and in practice, it inflates the importance of the votes of the few while vastly devaluing the votes of the many. 
Now, you might ask yourself, Eli, if that's true, why is Andrew Torres in favor of it? Well, I'll tell you, my friends, because Andrew Torres, attorney at law, is a racist. And there it is. Okay, yeah, Look, yeah. I turned down a debate with Sargon of Akkad to do this show, okay? And now I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> do not worry, Andrew. My very woke friend, David, who absolutely did nothing wrong, will take your spot. I found a, okay. I got a good oh, guy for that. Anyway, back to my entirely honest argument. Ask yourself, <laughs> who does the system of the Electoral College disenfranchise? I mean, big cities. But who lives in those big cities? That's right. African-American women. Look at the electoral map and you'll find no matter how you slice it, the electoral college gives no group the shaft harder and more consistently than people of color. And who's the man behind that shaft? Andrew Torres. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, I mean, that is an honest argument until the Andrew being racist part at the end. <laughs> so when you consider the end of this debate, whether or not the electoral college is a good idea, don't ask whether or not politics can be boiled down to what is essentially a straw man against Andrew's argument in the first place. Ask yourself this. Why is Andrew Torres so racist? <laughs> and he doesn't appear to have an answer. Moving on. Yeah. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> <laughs> so a um, couple other points, a couple other angles here. Uh, we already have a Senate that's a giant gift to rural states like enormous it's not gerrymandering but it's got a similar flavor to it and it's a giant gift to those states like wyoming and montana have the same power as new york and california in the highest legislative body in our country isn't that giant gift more than enough by itself I, look i i get it okay so the senate is super stupid right and yeah the, the Electoral College adds together a state's representatives and their senators, so it has a little bit of stupid mixed in with it, okay? Uh, but at the end of the day, it's not like the Electoral College is one state, one vote or anything, right? Like, California gets 55 electoral votes. That's more than all of the rural states put together, right? I could name it. It's like 13 of them, and California outweighs because California has more people, right? So th this really isn't an argument against the Electoral College. It's You, you want to argue against the Senate? I'm with you. My sweet, sweet, racist, bigoted Andrew. See, none of that stuff that you just said that I was only kind of listening to doesn't change the fact <laughs> that even with that majority, you did a the, double the individual voter is still disenfranchised. Because while California does get more votes than all the states that don't matter put together, it doesn't get more votes than all the states that matter and Florida. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> The Electoral College does a fine job of representing state sizes. It just does a terrible job of representing the U.S. population of America. Eli, you you know, when I say large state, right, I'm no. talking about population <laughs> and not land area, right? I mean, like, look, this isn't even a good argument for your side, Eli. <laughs> like, the problem with the Electoral College is is that it's winner take all in every state, right? Like not that small states get a proportionately larger vote than bigger ones. Mm. Yes, exactly. Excellent point. That's for Eli. One point for Eli. Thank, Thank you, you, Andrew. Okay, so another angle here. The country as a whole, we overwhelmingly want a popular vote. If the country had a popular vote about whether to have a popular vote, we'd vote to count all the votes, which is Pretty intuitive, and I think that's actually part of the reason for my opinion. Um, so recent polls show that about two-thirds of the country wants a popular vote. 
we, we could have an electoral college vote about the popular vote and we'd still pick a popular vote. Doesn't that mean that, you know, maybe we should have popular vote? Doesn't that weigh I, on it? I, it, I was going to Google stupid things that are popular and come up with like a really clever <laughs> Nickelback joke here. Uh, but 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 then the president tweeted out a Nickelback meme and Nickelback served the president <laughs> with a cease and desist letter. And I think that means I'm a Nickelback fan now. So um, uh, anyway, I think the answer to your question is yes. Or no. It's one of those. Yeah. Look, I know I said I'd go back to calling Andrew names or never stop. And I, and I will. And I won't. I <laughs> yeah. promise. But the problem that the left needs to acknowledge about itself is that we are all about democracy and the vote until we're not. Right. Because if we did a popular vote about trans rights tomorrow, most of this country would put some pretty heinous bigotry into law. Or if we did a vote about abortion rights in Tennessee, yeah. we wouldn't believe in democracy anymore. Right. But but just to be clear, though, the Electoral College would also vote that bigotry into law. It did, in fact. Right. By making Trump the president, among other ways that it could do that. It, it voted that stuff into law by more than a popular vote would. So it's worse at being flawed in this way, in some sense. Right. But this is addressing the idea that, like, oh, the popular vote represents democracy. The, the popular vote doesn't represent democracy. It represents a very specific side of democracy that liberals like to accentuate and don't want both sides of. Right. OK. You're right. And you're helping the other. It's fine. Go ahead. I know. I know. <laughs> I, and look. A lot of people make a lot of money telling liberals like myself that ours is the popular opinion, that America is a good place full of good people, but it's not. There are millions and millions of people in this country who are downright happy. We have concentration camps on the border and all but a handful of the rest are happy to do absolutely nothing that matters about them. I know it's hard to hear. Hell, I know that's hard to be. <laughs> you, you know, Heath was was trying to to help you here, Eli. I mean, you you, you do realize you're you're arguing against your own position again, right? I do. I very much do. But listen to me, my sweet, sweet bigot, Andrew. <laughs> Wanting to get rid of the electoral college sounds great, but it only sounds great because we lost. I mean, you want to know what else is an archaic system that no other first world country really employs that we should probably get rid of? The fucking presidency. But when you say that, it becomes yeah. obvious that yours isn't a political position so much as it is sour grapes. But in the words, and you're going to like play some America music here in the background, Heath, but in the words of future president Tim Ryan, you cannot ask for power, my friends. You have to take it the way they asked you to, from their cold, dead fingers. Okay, definitely illegal, right, Andrew? Yeah, d d definitionally so, and also Great. not what... Tim Ryan said, I'm, you know, I don't know whether that's important. Andrew or not. Torres hates women of color. <laughs> oh, OK, great. Great. All right. I got to be honest. I feel like that was a point for Andrew. Thank you, Eli. Good work. Um, Chaotic neutral. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. It, it seems like the Electoral College was meant to prevent things just like, for example, Donald Trump becoming president. Like, that felt like the point. Like, if a major party like the GOP fucks up their primary and lets a maniacal villain become their candidate, that's what the Electoral College was meant to stop back in the day when they came up with it. And it didn't work. So, a uh, question for Andrew. What makes you think it would work in the future? It, it didn't so far. Yeah, no, it, it 
almost certainly wouldn't, right? Like, but that, you know that what if, would work? One brave man with a hunting. I'd, what? Okay. All no. right. Uh, that it, these are jokes. Yeah. No. Nothing. No. Nothing. Eli says on this show can be taken seriously. Please. Uh, <laughs> I. I fit, I'm fielding so many calls from the Secret Service. These are jokes. <laughs> Another angle at this, it, it seems like there's a lot of a lot of cheating going on. We're fighting against yeah. a rival party that's willing to do a whole bunch of voter suppression, uh, legalized gerrymandering. It seems like there's an argument to be made for doing anything we can within the rules to counteract that. Perhaps outside of the rules, some would argue. In particular, what do you guys think about the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact? Love it. Fuck no. Love it. Interesting. Love it. Mm. Uh, sorry, uh, Andrew, just a second. I need a quick sidebar with Eli. Yes, please. Yeah. Eli? Yeah. Do you know what the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is? That's a trick question. Okay. Uh, Andrew, you were saying? Please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It, it's so... Everything you just said in the predicate to that question is is correct, right? Like, the Republicans are no longer playing by the rules. And so, trying to, to make up new rules through the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is 100% guaranteed to backfire. Let me explain how this is going to work out. Okay. So here's what happens in the age of Mitch McConnell. On the one hand, right, so assume the compact passes and then a Democrat loses the popular vote but wins the Electoral College, right? Does a Trump. We'd all sit there like dumbasses and watch this intricate system that we put into place in blue states cast their votes for a Republican instead. And so if there's a lawsuit, then the Supreme Court is going to vote nine to nothing to uphold the compact. And they're going to rule, yep, states can do whatever they want with their electoral votes or they'll, I don't, they'll deny standing or something. So we will immediately flip the script and Democrats will be forced to, to abide by the, uh, the interstate compact. OK, but this hypothetical does assume a Republican wins the popular vote at anything ever in the history of ever again. I kind of want to roll these dice, Andrew. I'm just throwing yeah. this out there. I don't want to... <laughs> oh, against against the against the party of voter suppression? I'm not sure you do. <laughs> also, sorry, just w one other question. I mean, isn't that 100% constitutional? Like, every state legislature has the right to award electoral votes how they decide? Well, it's, it's a little trickier than that, right? Like, so an interstate compact is actually a, a provision. So states can condition actions based on other events, but it turns out there's this weird quirk. It's actually enumerated in the Constitution that if two states get together and they condition two or more states get together and they condition a thing they're going to do on what the other states do, then that is what's called an interstate compact. Um, the easiest one to think about is uh, like the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey that administers the George Washington Bridge, right? Like, so an interstate compact has to be approved by Congress, okay? So ultimately, huh. at the end of the day, this will be a live question. And now we get to the flip side of the scenario, right? Which Eli just brought up, which is Republican wins the popular vote. So let's imagine we get another 2000 or 2016. The Republican wins the Electoral College, loses the popular vote. What we will immediately see happen, you know this is the case, is that Alabama and Texas and Florida are all going to back out of the popular vote interstate compact and they're going to award their electoral votes to the winner in their state who's going to be the Republican candidate. And then we'll have to sue to try and enforce the national popular vote interstate compact. 
And that will go up to this Supreme Court. And Brett Kavanaugh is going to write a 5-4 decision. He'll probably recaption it, Bush v. Gore 2, Electric Boogaloo, just to <laughs> troll the libs, right? And the Supreme Court will say, ha, 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 you stupid liberals, you can't stop Alabama from backing out. And uh, congratulations, Donald Trump Jr. is now president. So seriously, don't do this, people. Hmm. Now, that might seem like a solid point. But did I mention Andrew Torres wants to disenfranchise the votes of women <laughs> of color? Yeah, y- you did mention that. Who and, run the world? And he does, right? Girls run the like, world. I feel like Alabama and Texas and Florida don't really matter. All we need is for 270 electoral votes worth of progressive states to agree on it, and it would turn the Electoral College into a popular vote. Uh, I didn't know that th- this had to be approved congressionally. And and, and, that, and that's why it's it's of, it's of questionable legality. But, but, but look... You can't you can right now. There are only 13 states that add up to far less than 270 electoral votes that have a reliable history of voting Democratic and a Democratic governor and a Democratic legislature. Right. So even states that we think of as being pretty reliably blue, right, like Maryland and Massachusetts both have Republican governors. Right. Like California gets Republican governors all the time. Right. So the idea that you can. Put and put together just blue states, and they won't like pull a Wisconsin, for example. Like the state of Wisconsin has had, you know, Scott Walker as governor, and has such a massively gerrymandered state legislature that, like, even though it's a pretty progressive state at the national level, like its state politics are, you know, to the right of every place except Alabama. So, hmm. I I don't think you can do that. And I think what will happen is the scenario I said, which is okay, fine. It, it maybe it's not Alabama and Texas pulling out, but maybe it's you know Maryland or Illinois or you know Wisconsin or Michigan or you know states like that that nevertheless elect Republican governors and 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 Republican uh, uh, state legislators. I mean, we have 196 electoral votes right now in the compact, so we need uh, 74 more, and we can theoretically do it without anybody in the South numbers wise. But you just mentioned, you know, that would rely on some states in the north that are generally progressive to not get vetoed on this this plan by a a Republican governor, for example. That's that's the idea. And it would rely on the Republican states not, you know, joining as a poison pill. Right. Like uh, so hopefully no one from Alabama is listening to this podcast. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, One other point on this, though, if the popular vote would possibly help Republicans, wouldn't they be fighting for it? It's weird that they're not then, right? Again, I think that this is, I mean, it's sort of a risk aversion strategy, right? Like if you're Republicans, you have a strategy that's worked three elections out of five and you're like, eh, 60%, I like those odds. And I don't know what's going to happen if we change the rules. You're the Democrats, you're you're looking at the inverse of that. And you're like, eh, I don't know what's going to happen if we change the rules, but maybe things will be better going forward. And all I'm saying is I, I just want to drill down before we put something into place that's potentially exploitable in other ways. Got it. Okay. Again, we're getting (laughs) nuanced answers that are fucking with my thing. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Good work. Good work. That's that's the idea. Anyway, last question. Um, So this is kind of the the bottom line philosophy thing for me. Everyone's vote isn't worth the same right now. And getting rid of the Electoral College... It, it wouldn't be skewing unfairly toward cities. It would be fixing an inequality that exists right now. So 
you know, the question for Andrew is, is there an argument against fixing that inequality or just the admission that unequal voting value is a necessary evil that's outweighed by, you know, the pitfalls of the popular vote? Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree with the premise of the question, right? Like, I don't think the Electoral College right now discriminates against the votes of people who live in cities. Right? Let me try to put it in this term, right? Like, both you and Eli used to live in New York, right? Like, so in in New York, you're not discriminating against the votes of people who live in New York City. You're discriminating against the votes of everybody who lives in, you know, Batavia, who lives in upstate New York, right? Like, same thing is true in, in Illinois. Like, the reason Illinois is a blue state is because of Chicago. Like, literally, the rest of that state is red. I mean, in fact, as I think about it, like, most, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm actually having trouble coming up with a single city where your votes are undercounted rather than overcounted in the electoral. Co- I guess, uh Houston, maybe. Uh, um, so I, you know, I, okay, that could be your rallying cry, right? Free Houston. We could do that. Well, I got, I get what you're saying. But under the electoral college, the people in uh, Batavia, New York, those six people, and the people in New York City get their votes devalued because of the winner take all thing. And that's really what I was getting at. I phrased it with, you know, the, the city bias thing. But th- that's the point. Like, every single person in New York who votes Republican doesn't matter right now. Also, everyone who votes Democrat beyond 50% plus one gets their votes devalued. Like, the Free Houston argument is describing a problem with the Electoral College that we could fix with a popular vote, right? I'm having a hard time following how when... You live in a state with 35 electoral votes and you vote for the Democrat and the Democrat wins how your vote is being devalued because it's winner take all. Right. But but the electoral votes are in rough proportion to the proportion of the state. Right. So. So, yes, like, I mean, the the argument here is that what what gets overvalued are the the marginal votes of states that shift back and forth between Democratic and Republican. Right. Like because there mm-hmm. we have we have 15 states that are 65 plus percent Democratic and 15 states that are 65 uh, plus percent Republican. And then, you know, shading more towards the middle. So, like, yeah, absolutely. Republicans gain more when they can eke out victories in places like North Carolina, Florida and Ohio. But I still don't see how that's disenfranchising people in cities. W- winning by a whole bunch in New York doesn't count. Just winning by 50 percent. Well, but it does count. Counts. It counts because you get a giant chunk of electoral votes. But you don't get more if you win by more. And that means th- some of those votes didn't count. Like w- we could ideally we'd be able to move those people after the 50 percent plus one into Virginia. But we can't. Those people effectively didn't matter. I mean, you know that this mindset is how we wound up with gerrymandering, right? Like this is exactly what is was behind the the red map software. Like the like Thomas Hofeller and a bunch of like evil tent folding, you know, wizards sat in a uh, sat in a room and were like, "Well, how could we take how can we make sure that we cram as many Democrats into a district as possible and waste all of their yeah. votes and spread out as many Republicans as possible across districts and uh, and and overcount their votes." Right. So, you know, just be careful. <laughs> but the the ultimate gerrymander fix is a popular vote where the whole thing's a big blob in any in any particular district. Yeah, it is. I, I think I can clarify this for everybody, because I don't want folks to be listening to this to get lost in the weeds. Andrew Torres hates women of color. <laughs> he hates. Them. I don't know why. I don't know why. 
claims to be a good guy, and then he just comes on this show, and he's just like, I don't care if, if women of color can vote. And we're just like, what, Andrew? No, I, I, I just hate both of you right now. So <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we got through a bunch of different points on it. Um, we were joking around, obviously, especially you heard the last example of it right there at the end. I don't believe Andrew Torres actually hates women of color. Bottom line, you know, we're joking around here, but I do think this is an issue where, as Andrew might say, intelligent people can disagree. And it's it's an important thing to think about and not actually devolve into you're a racist, even though that's, you know, <laughs> that was the music just now. <laughs> Well, and I think what's really vital here that we need to keep in mind, and this is the really, really not fun answer, right? Because this conversation was way too nuanced. It was way, way too subtle. And so everybody's mad right now. Everybody listening to this who's still listening to this is really pissed off because this was way, way too subtle. Um, and it was actually already way biased against Andrew just from the jokes and the questions and the follow-ups and stuff like this. But, but here's the truth that's going to send everybody away mad at the triple threat. There is no system, electoral college, gerrymandering, fucking voter suppression that can overcome straight up voting, right? The fact of the matter is we just do not have enough people in this country who vote. The electoral college elected Donald Trump. Yes, it did. And Republican voters elected Donald Trump. But more than either of those things, your shitty cousin in Florida who didn't vote elected Donald Trump. And that feels bad. It does, because he's a good guy and he's going through so much right now. But the truth of the matter is, you don't get to care about politics up until the moment it asks you to do the thing. <laughs> you said it like there was still stuff in the sentence. I thought there was more on that nope. sentence, yeah. That's I it. could hear you say dot, dot, dot. You guys heard that, right? I, no? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Listeners at home, you knew there was no dot, dot, dot. <laughs> There was just a period at the end. You don't get to care about politics until they ask you to do the thing. And look, that's why I took the other side of this argument, right? Like you, you, you heard it again and again. It, the, the idea that you would look at 2016 and say, oh, the problem is this arcane system of how the votes are. No, the problem is the turnout was under 50 percent or right about 50 percent. Right. The problem is that tens of millions of people were Eli's shitty cousin. Right. Like that's the problem. And and the, the idea no, that not. we can, you know, fix this by tweaking a rule or changing a rule or passing an interstate compact like no we 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 need to get out and mobilize and vote in numbers that are too big to suppress too big to cheat too big for a troll farm in st petersburg to outweigh like we we can do that all right on that note we're gonna close it out thanks to andrew torres thanks to eli bosnick and thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And Andrew, where should everyone go, if they don't already know, to hear more from you? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. after this show, um, what I'd like you to do is... Uh, <laughs> Screaming in the other room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ch check out my uh, Striper cover band. Um, <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be playing live at the Hudson Theaters in Los Angeles uh, this uh, this coming weekend. Playing live at Jake Wool's mom's stoop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, but seriously, big thanks to Andrew for walking us through a series of excellent points on why a popular vote 
might seem appealing at first glance, but could actually backfire for Democrats. We need to keep in mind that Republicans are far more effective at appealing to the extreme wing of their party and firing up their base. They also control the voting system in the majority of states. And in terms of the popular vote interstate compact, Democrats could easily see things go terribly wrong given all the blue and purple states that often have GOP governors and GOP-controlled state legislatures. And, of course, the Republican Party has control of the Supreme Court now. Plus, um, this was an excellent point, too. I learned this today. It turns out interstate compacts in general have to be approved by Congress. I didn't know that. Another excellent point. I thought that plan would actually be a slam dunk, but it turns out it could easily get blocked or, again, it could backfire. And, of course, there's the, uh, <laughs> the argument from Nickelback that very clearly refutes the idea that popular voting on everything is a good idea. And again, Eli and I tried to make some jokes along the way, but in all seriousness, I was very strongly in favor of a popular vote going into this, and now I'd say I'm much closer to being on the fence. So lots to think about for me, and great work from Andrew. All right, let's wrap it up. If you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like a bunch of people with very beautiful genitals who I will definitely thank during the next episode. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, and Citation Needed. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Deep Web. Also, of course, Opening Arguments. Andrew conveniently didn't mention that, but check out Opening Arguments. Thanks, (laughs) Eve. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He is the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign-off. Andrew Torres is a racist. (laughs) (sighs) However, as long as we're talking about the sex appeal of bank regulation, um, it's important to mention that this, yes, Liz Warren is sexy because of brain stuff, most and primarily. But we're talking about, you know, sexy bank regulation. I think we need to get Liz Warren and Barack Obama doing ASMR readings, just like whispering about adding more teeth to Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank, fettered capitalism. Mm, I I I would very much enjoy that. Okay. Good, good right. to know. <laughs> Did you have more anyway, in your story, Andrew? Did you wanna... <laughs> yeah, after this uh, campaign, obviously. Okay, fuck everybody. <laughs> we'll just cut that part. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.